And um, I just want going to talk to you a little bit about those ministries today so you can understand where I'm coming from and what I, what I do for a living now. <clears throat> and I've got the calling that God placed on my life. I want to know if any of you have ever done a favor for someone. Have you ever done a favor for someone? Why did you do it? Hmm? I love, okay, or because you care, right? Did you ever do something for someone because you wanted to show them how much God loved them? Or that you cared? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. To do a charitable deed, okay? We often give of ourselves to influence others. And sometimes we give money, or sometimes we give items, or we give ourselves, um, we give manpower. Right, Randy? You're always doing something for somebody. Okay, we give our time. You know, we give it to our friends and our family, or maybe the needy, maybe those that are less fortunate than we are. We give, right? We give. We do acts of charity. Acts of charity, or alms to the poor, is what the Bible calls it, okay? And alms is defined as charitable donations of money or goods to the poor or needy, or acts and deeds of mercy. You see, there was a woman in the Bible, okay, who was known for her alms to the poor, and her name was Tabitha. Anybody know the story of Tabitha? Okay, Dorcas in some translations, okay. She was known far and wide for her charitable, for the charitable deeds that she did for the poor and the needy in her community. Okay, and her story is found in Acts 9. Acts 9, verses 36 to 42. Now, if you have your Bibles, I believe in your pew Bibles, it's a page 116 or 118 in the New Testament. I looked at it last night. So I tend to like the um, New King James Version. So that's what you'll be hearing today. You'll hear me read the scripture out of the New King James Version, okay? Acts 9, verses 36 to 42. But the scripture reads, At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, <clears throat> excuse me, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out, and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called all the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Tabitha was a woman who lived in Joppa, which was a little seaport village just to the northwest of Jerusalem who sewed clothing for the poor. Okay? Her lifelong work was taking care of other people, and her heart's desire was to help those who were needy and destitute. She was compassionate and devout and full of good works, the scripture says. And Tabitha generously gave of herself and her resources to serve others. 
So in Acts 9, we get a picture of her quietly going about doing acts of charity. Her tool was a simple sewing needle. And I would bet that she made very practical things for the needy, for the people that she, that she saw in need, like tunics or blankets or robes or sandals, cloaks, those kinds of things. And she didn't do those things for money, okay? She did them for those who could never pay her back, simply because they needed it, okay? Poverty-stricken, the widows, the sick, the aged, the fatherless. Okay, Proverbs 31.20 says, she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reached out her hands to the needy. And Tabitha was truly a Proverbs 31 woman. She blessed those people with practical things to make their lives better. And in turn, these things, these practical things, renewed their hearts and lifted their spirits. Kindness was her business. Serving was her assignment, her assignment from God. Love your neighbors as yourself, it says in Mark 12, 31. And Tabitha did just that. It was her life's calling to serve others, to bless them with her generosity and her love. And the commentaries on our scripture text say that this kind woman, woman most likely lived in a brick home that overlooked the beach or the docks, and she could see from her upper room or her rooftop Okay, to, and watch the needy begging or scavenging on the beach. And compassion would overwhelm her, and she would put her hands to work and take care of those practical needs. And God revealed them to her. And God noticed her good deeds. God notices all acts of kindness. God notices our alms to the poor and the needy. So just look at Cornelius, who is in Acts 10. Cornelius was a centurion who was being watched by an angel. In fact, Acts 10.4 says, And when Cornelius observed the angel, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So the angel said to Cornelius, Your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. And verse 31 says, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Cornelius was noticed by God because of his alms, okay? because of his charitable deeds for the poor. Doing good and being kind pleases God. And God notices good deeds, alms deeds, as the Bible says. Alms deeds is compassion in action. Okay? So folks, I can tell you, that there are people in need in every community. Jesus said that we would have the poor with us always. Yes? Okay. And in 2011, I left my position at the Charlevoix Assembly of God, I was the associate pastor there, to start a new street-level ministry in Charlevoix called Third Day Fellowship and Outreach to minister to those people who were walking our streets. They are lonely, they're downtrodden, they're outcast, they're the addicted, they're the abused, they're the homeless, unwed mothers, single parents, couch kids, kids from dysfunctional or broken homes, substance abusers, alcoholics. Okay? People who show their distaste for life and their inner pain in their dress, in their hair, their tattoos, their piercings, pain 
that is worn on the outside of their bodies. Third day is an alternative church, an outreach that is down in the trenches of our society, and we meet people's needs and minister to them right where they are at, okay, where they live on the street level. We, we, need, to meet, we need to meet people right where they are, okay, to care for them and show them the love of Jesus so that they will learn that there is a God and he loves them with an unconditional and agape love to be a positive influence. And everything we do at Third Day is based on the love and compassion of Jesus. And out of that love, we see people transformed right before our very eyes, just because somebody cares about them. For some people, we are the only positive influence in their entire environment. How sad is that? Third Day has a food pantry. We have a pet food pantry, we have a diaper closet, we have a paper and Sundays, sundries pan, pantry, we offer a chapel service on Monday and Thursday in conjunction with the food ministry. And even though chapel is voluntary and it's not required for people to receive food assistance, believe it or not, 52% of our clientele come to a chapel service at some point during the week. We give benevolence in the form of bus passes. We have a, we have a county transit system. Okay, uh, so we give bus passes away, gas cards, laundry certificates. Um, believe it or not, when you are poor, laundry is very expensive, very expensive. So we give away laundry certificates, and I give fast food cards to some of my homeless people so they can go to McDonald's and have a cup of coffee or breakfast. We just opened our newly installed, installed hair care station, offering discounted hair care to our clients. And I just opened in June a community lunch program where we serve lunch twice a week. I minister as the benevolence minister of our ministerial association. Charlevoix has a group of pastors and churches that combine together, and we call it our ministerial association, and I'm their benevolence minister. We have a benevolence fund that I can help people with their rent um, housing costs, um, utility shutoffs, prescriptions, sometimes medical transportation. I get to, I'm very privileged to be able to sit with people and help them through their crisis. I can tell you that this is an amazing ministry, an amazing ministry. But I hear so many things from people, so many things. They are overwhelmed. They are destitute, and they are in a total state of hopelessness and despair. And I have to say that one of the most heart-wrenching things I deal with on a regular basis is homelessness. You have homeless people here? In my community, and I'm sure it's the same here, there's a high percentage of homeless people. Homelessness doesn't look in my community, the way it looks in the metropolitan areas, okay? Linda um, said that in Charlevoix, Charlevoix is known as Charlevoix the Beautiful, and it is known for its amazing parks, our waterfront. We're on three lakes, okay? We have, we have a beautiful marina. We have big money that comes into our town. We have 104-foot yachts in our marina, okay? That's the kind of money that is in Charlevoix. 
Okay, so people will look at that and they think that Charlevoix is a very affluent community. But if you get a block off the main drag, you will see that there's a subculture in, in Charlevoix that the church was not ministering to. And that's where God called me. And I can tell you those people are the working people or they're the disabled or they're the overwhelmed or they're the destitute, they're the poor, they're the needy, and we, and we weren't reaching them. And that's why God called me into the street-level ministry. Homelessness in Charlevoix is not as blatant as it is in a metropolitan area. In a metropolitan area, you can see them laying in the streets, right? There's an area in, in a city, let's take Grand Rapids, for example. There's an area in the city where there's like Mel Trotter Mission, Degache, all of those missions that are right down, down, uh, down on Wealthy Street. And, they, and that's where the homeless will gather. Okay, well in Charlevoix, homelessness doesn't look like that. Homelessness may be someone sleeping on the football field. They may be someone sleeping on the bridge. They may be somebody sleeping in your storage shed or in a storage unit. Or they may be, uh, homelessness is also defined as unstable housing, which means that people will be going from friend to friend, family member to family member, couch surfing. Okay, they sleeping on the couch. In that, in that environment, and then that person gets in trouble with their lease, so they have to leave and they have to go, have to, go to another, another friend or relative. I can remember I put one homeless girl up in a motel, and she had a two-year-old, two-year-old baby, a little boy, and I put her up in the motel, and he, this little boy at two years old walked into this, this motel room, and he said, I house. And we think that homelessness doesn't affect kids. This child was totally affected by his unstable housing. Someday I'm going to write a book on that. But homelessness looks different, but it's there, and it's in every single community. Okay, you got a storage shed in, the, in your backyard? Lock it, because people sleep in storage sheds. Did you know that? <laughs> and they're out before you get up in the morning. Okay? So people are just totally overwhelmed. Okay, and I, I just, I weep over the needs that God shows me and the needs that God brings to me. And many, many times I would cry out to God to help me to find a way to help them. I would say, Lord, I don't know how. You show me these things, but you don't show me how to do it. I don't know how to do this. These people need help. Okay, and I would weep in my office. Over, this, over these needs, and I'd weep on my knees over the needs that I would see in our community. And God did. He did. And I set about looking for ways to open a shelter in Charlevoix, a homeless shelter. And God downloaded the entire vision for Joppa House, just like he did for Third Day. When I started Third Day Fellowship, I was in prayer with the Lord. I filled the legal pad with the vision that he gave me. And I did the same thing with Joppa House. <clears throat> so God put Joppa House on my heart and my mind, and then lo and behold, if uh, third day wasn't donated a piece of property. Okay. Then we moved the Catholic convent house to the property and began a two-year renovation of the home to prepare it to house women and children. Joppa House is a women's transitional home for those who are homeless or facing homelessness due to a lack of resources, support, or life skills. And women can stay with us for 6 to 18 months, and they are required to take a curriculum that which we wrote during that two-year renovation time called Stepping Stones. 
during their stay, which teaches those life skills that I'm talking about that, they, that women are lacking. One of the things that happened in my ministry in Third Day Fellowship is I had a 19-year-old girl come in, and she had a little one that was two years old, and she had a little tippy cup, sippy cup, you know, those ones that don't, don't spill. And I don't know why I had that, that cup, but I remember I took it to the back room to wash it, and the top of that cup was filled with slime and gunk, and it was green because this young lady did not know that she had to wash that cup between uses. Those are life skills that are missing in some of our young people today. So we developed a life skills um, curriculum so that we could help these girls learn these very basic skills that you and I would take for granted. All right, It's a mentoring home. Okay, We're teaching all the time. We're teaching how to cook and how to handle money and how to handle conflict. We're teaching morals. We're teaching parenting, Bible studies, attending church. Um, I'm a pastor. It's a faith-based program, so I do include um, church and Bible studies. And it's all part of being a resident of this house. And our goal is to provide a safe and rehabilitative and structured environment for the Holy Spirit to work on a person's life. We want to break old patterns of behavior so the ladies will not be tempted to return to their old lifestyles. Because I'm a firm believer that if you put people in the path of God, he can do the rest. We currently have six women and five children in the home and five part-time children, which means that those there's custody issues, um, split families, and uh, those kids will come sometimes for overnights or visits or something like that. Um, a couple of Sundays ago, I had eight children at my house, at Joppa House, and it was just crazy. Just plain crazy. <laughs> wow. I'm one of 11 children. I don't know how my mother did it. <laughs> I can tell you that. So I have a great respect for my mother. I'm number nine out of 11. So Kayla, can we show that PowerPoint? I have a PowerPoint so that you can get a, a picture of what's going on in our ministry, okay? As soon as Kayla gets that up, I'll talk to you about these slides that are here. Can everybody see through me or should I stand somewhere else? Well, that's not it. <laughs> here we go. The ministry is a very busy place, very busy. In one form or another. Do you have it on automatic, Kayla? Yeah. This is just my logo for Third Day Fellowship, so there we are. And last year, I moved to the lower level of the United Methodist Church in Charlevoix. The church was under underutilizing their buildings, so they wanted me to come. And this is what um, we use the lower level as our drop-in center. People can come and just have coffee and snacks, and everything's free. We have our food pantry there. It's open two days a week, Mondays and Thursdays. People can come to our food pantry once a week and not just once a month. It doesn't matter to me which day they come as long as they come once a week. So this is the hair care station we just put in. We just started doing hair care. Tuesday was our first day doing that. And this is all third day fellowship. And then this is our lunch program. Okay, we started the lunch program in June. And in June we served 130 people. 
So that's some of my team rocking the hairnet. <laughs> so, and then from Third Day Fellowship, Joppa House was born. So, it's a little dark. But. Okay, so this is the vacant property that was donated to Third Day Fellowship. It had a house on it that was destroyed by fire. And um, I never knew that the property would come into my hands, but it was donated to us and that uh, we started the process of getting a foundation put in so that we could move this house over to the property. That's a Catholic convent house. It has six bedrooms in it. And uh, it's, that's where it's, we had it jacked up and ready to move. Six bedrooms in it. We have a foundation. Um, the foundation was completely donated to us, and um, we put in extra bathrooms, so we have six bedrooms and four bathrooms in this home. So and we can house 15 women and children, and then myself, I stay there. This is some of the finished product after it was done. Two years it took us to renovate the home, and we renovated it with on a cash basis. So the house is debt-free. We don't have any debt whatsoever. The reason it took two years was because when we had money, we worked, and when we didn't, we stopped. So this is some of the people um, that are in. This is Candy. She's one of our people here with her daughter, Whisper. So Candy and Whisper. This is Gwen. She's ready to transition out. So That was a birthday party the girls threw for, for me. So that was my birthday. So there's Alicia. And this is the girls ready to go to church. They walk to a local church that we have. And uh, that's some of them that were ready to go that day. And then our, our local Winsome Women um, granted us a scholarship so I could take a few of the girls on a, on a Christian retreat. It was their first time on uh, Magna Island. So, and our little baby that was born in Joppa House, we have a Joppa House baby. She's six months old this month. So, just some fun out in the yard of Joppa House, having another little fire and some moors and stuff with the kids. So. Well, here we have an Easter egg hunt in the, in the house. Yeah, we had a fundraiser, and these all, all these the girls and the social workers all came. I have um, two social workers on staff, and then I have some uh, interns that work with us. This is our uh, what the uh, Stepping Stones curriculum looks like. There's six of these manuals that cover different things. This is a. Can we pause that right there, Kayla? Okay, July 12th, 2015, exactly one year from when we opened Joppa House. We have our girls graduating. We have three out of, out of our girls graduating from the program. They've completed the Stepping Stones curriculum. So they are ready to transition out. The only issue is now we're looking for housing for them. And now we pray, we pray that this is a lifelong relationship so that we can, you know, kind of, kind of go into a semi-independent living situation to make sure that they are using the life skills that we have taught them during their time in Joppa House. But um, we were just very blessed and pleased and really honored these girls with a graduation ceremony a couple weeks ago. So that was Gwen and Candy and Joe Lee. They were ready to go. I'll miss them, but okay, can we continue, hon?
So there we are, we're out on the lawn. We held, we held the graduation out in the lawn of Jaffa House. So, and that's just contact information, okay, how you can find me on the internet. So, so that's Jaffa House and Third Day Fellowship. And those, those are the things that I do. Um, all day, every day. <laughs> okay, so and I, I'm the, um, I'm the one who stays at Joppa House. So I'm the one who is there overseeing all of the, all of the girls and all the operations of Joppa House, plus running Third Day Fellowship. So I tend to be a little busy. So thank you, Linda, for offering your home so I can rest, and relax, because <laughs> sometimes I need to get away. So, but do you remember our scripture text? Okay. Tabitha was from a town called Joppa, all right? And Joppa in the original Greek means beautiful. So it's beautiful house. And God is doing beautiful things in that house. Beautiful things. I'm just so pleased and so proud with the girls. We have some success and some failure. I, I evicted a girl in July because she was not complying to our program. So she had to go. and. Uh, and stuff. So we have some success and some failure, which was a given. We knew that would happen. You know, some people just simply cannot abide by rules and structure. And it does take the girls about four to six weeks to be able to adjust when they come in to the rules and the structure because it's very structured. And the girls have to do chores and they have a schedule to keep. And, you know, the kids have to go to bed at a certain time, which is totally foreign to some of the ladies that I work with, because usually the kids run the show, and things like that. So, and they have, you know, so they have certain things that are required of them. You know, one of the big issues with that, with it, is um, submitting to authority. Okay, authority issues are really, really a problem. So we have to um, do a do a lot of training in uh, humbling yourself and um, entitlement is is a big issue. So we have to break that mindset of entitlement so that people will learn that work is actually worship under God. Worship under God. So, anyway, back to our story. Tabitha fell ill in our scripture and died suddenly. It's in Acts 9.37. It says, But it happened in those days that she became sick and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Okay. So my question is, who are they? Who are they in this scripture? They were all of those people who were recipients of her kindness, and they returned her kindness to them by caring for her in her death. And they cared so much for her that they wept. They loved her so much that they would not accept her death. Okay? You see, helping someone in need is not so much how much money you spend. Okay? Sometimes all someone needs is to know that you care. Okay? Someone to notice and someone to listen. One act of kindness, and it will be remembered for years in the hearts of others. The people Tabitha had made simple garments or blankets for were at her deathbed weeping because they had lost her. And her love and her generosity were never to be forgotten by those that she touched. Okay. She was their light. She was their lifeline. She was their hope. And now she was gone. Okay. You see, when we see people in our ministry, that is exactly what they are like. Okay? They just need someone to talk to, someone to allow them to vent or to cry on your shoulder, or just someone to wrap their arms around them and pour God's love into them. Okay? It's life. 
It's life. And maybe to us it's an interruption or an inconvenience, but to them it's life itself. The world doesn't look quite as intimidating when a person knows that they don't stand alone. And sometimes all they need to know is that someone cares. I always tell people that God is love. But people who come from dysfunctional families who have been abused or had parents who were drug addicts, they cannot believe that there is a God of love when everything in their life has proven otherwise. They can't believe it. We have to be that tangible presence of God's love. We have to be that love. Okay? We have to be like Tabitha with what we have, whether it's a little or a lot, and give what God has blessed us with. All right? To wrap our arms around somebody and just say, it's okay. It's okay. God loves you. I love you. And you're going to be all right. It's all about relationship. That's what we do at Joppa House. That's why the ladies can stay six to 18 months, is because it's relationship. It takes time to build that trust and that relationship with someone so that we can change their mindsets. Okay? Relationship breaks down walls and it breaks down strongholds when someone learns that they can trust you, that you're genuine, and that you're in it for the long haul. People don't trust the church anymore, okay? especially the younger generation. Okay? What, what they will trust is authenticity, is being real is investing in them and building relationship and kindness because kindness brings repentance. Okay. And in Acts 9, 38 to 39, the apostle Peter was in the next town. And when news of all the miracles that were taking place were known far and wide, and the people with Tabitha sent for Peter to come. So Peter hiked that nine-mile trek from Lydda to Joppa to Tabitha's house. And there in the upper room, where the body was laid in state, Peter is met by people everywhere. People in a state of despair, widows weeping over the loss of their friend, and they showed Peter the tunics and garments that Tabitha had made and so generously given to them. They paid tribute to the kindness she was known for, honoring her in her death for her good works. And listen to what happens next in verses 40 to 42. Peter put them all out. And he knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called all the saints and widows, he, became, he presented her alive, and it became known all through Joppa, and many believed that day. But Peter puts them all out, and in the quiet of that room, he says, Tabitha, arise. And she opens her eyes, and she sits up. And you know what happens next? Okay. You know what happens next? Peter gives her his, his hand. He gives her his hand, just like Jesus does for us. Okay. He gives us his hand, and he lifts us up. And he presents us alive. Alive in him. Alive in him. Okay? 
And that's what we do in Joppa House. It's set, to turn, set up to train women and break them out of the cycle of poverty and to give them that hand, to give them a hand up and not a hand out. Okay? To transform those mindsets so they won't find themselves back in the same situation that caused them to be homeless in the first place. Okay? Training and scheduling, getting to work, juggling parenthood with employment, developing the necessary job skills that they need to keep a, keep a job, things like integrity and work ethic and respect and submission to authority and budgeting their money, okay? To give them that hand up that will transform their minds emotionally and spiritually. To teach them that work is worship unto the Lord and that in everything that we do, we do it as well as we can, simply out of our love for God. We want to bring those who are dead inside to recognize the hand of God in their lives because it is God who takes our hand and lifts us up and presents us alive, alive in him. To let his redeeming love breathe life back into our hearts and our spirits and our souls. It's time to bring those who are dead back to life. God did not let Tabitha go unnoticed. He restored her and he redeemed her God's redeeming love brought Tabitha back to life. Life was breathed back into her body and into her soul and breathed into her mind, and life was breathed back into her heart and her dreams, and God raised her up. He took her hand. He lifted her up, and he, let, he welcomed her back into life again, life among the living, just like he does for us. God exalted her. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the wonder and the joy that rippled throughout the village? Because the scripture says that many believed in the Lord that day. All because she served others. She served the poor and the needy. And she served out of her love for God and she was exalted for it. One of the few people in scripture who were actually raised from the dead. Revealing who God is serving with love. And I can tell you that everyone, everyone responds to love. Everyone responds to love. People can literally be raised from the dead by love. When we serve others in love, we get God's attention, and then he is the one who opens blind eyes that they may see. And he notices a servant's heart. Okay? Your alms will come up for memorial before the Lord. Okay? So Joppa House. All right? A transitional home for women and their children. Okay? It's a place of refuge, a place of hope, a place of new beginnings, a place of life. It is compassion in action. And Joppa House was birthed out of a need to house the homeless. And I deal with homelessness every single day. And it is heart-wrenching. And I grieve often for those in need. Because I can tell you, church, that the government is not helping people get out of the gutter. Okay? The government is not helping people out of the cesspools. Our government is a broken system, and it is not working in its attempt to alleviate poverty. 
Statistics show that 37 million people in America live in poverty. One out of every six children live below the poverty line. One out of every six kids is poor. And, that, and this is where we need to raise up as a church, as a church with the capital C, okay? The body of Christ to meet the needs of those who are lost and hurting and caught in a cycle of poverty that they do not know how to get out of. Folks, this is the finest hour of the church. This is the finest hour of the church. God raises people from the dead, and he is the one who presents them alive. And we have an amazing opportunity to be his hands and his feet and his heart and his eyes, the eyes of Jesus right here in our own communities. Because it's all love. It's all about love, folks. It's love. Okay, it's all about compassion and action, alms deeds, as the Bible says. It's the love of God flowing from the throne room into us and out into others. Okay? God is love. And everyone, absolutely everyone, responds to love. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you stand while we pray? Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you, Lord, for your message that you that you want us all to hear and that you give us to give. And Lord, I just I pray that this is the day, Lord, where our hearts will be touched. And that we will get on our knees and we will ask you, Lord, to break our hearts for the things that break yours. And that when you do break our hearts for the things that break yours, Lord, that we will take action. That we will do our alms deeds. That we will do charitable acts. That we will do acts of kindness, random acts of kindness. Lord, I thank you for this church, Lord, who who, um, sponsors that free store and the bike rodeo and all the outreach that they do here in this community. And, Lord, I thank you that you have given them that vision. But, Lord, there's so much more to do, and there's so many more people to reach here and in surrounding areas. So, Lord, I ask you to just open the the eyes for those to see the things that you want done here and that your spirit will flow here and that your spirit will say, come do this with me, and that you will empower, empower this congregation to go out and do more in this community and be your light in a very dark world. And all that, Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. Would you be?